Well, there's a very familiar story today about the three wise men, although note that the Bible didn't really say anything about how many there were, but there were three gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Ironically, the myrrh was the most valuable gift they brought. It was the most expensive gift. Gold was kind of a close second, I assume. But <laughs> The myrrh market has kind of fallen apart since then, but uh, back then it was quite, uh, quite expensive. But this is a story not just about the wise men coming from the east, it's a story about Herod too, isn't it? Uh, it's a story about two kinds of of reactions to who to this to this news that the messiah the new king has been born into the world and herod on hearing what the wise men come and and tell them not knowing that he was a sinister person uh he reacts with what is this baby going to take away from me Herod had reason to be nervous about any prophecies about a coming Messiah because the the messianic expectation that had grown up over the the millennia in between the testaments and after the exile, the expectation of that Messiah for the Jewish people was that he was going to be a warrior on a horse maybe with a big sword and he was going to vanquish all the oppressors in this case it was Rome but it could have been it could have been Macedonia it could have been uh, the 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 Seleucids the, the, any given time there was some big occupying force in Jerusalem so pick your pick your oppressive dictatorship and uh, we'll kick them out the Messiah will count on the Messiah to come and do that. They were expecting the Messiah to come and then reestablish the Davidic kingdom and establish David's throne again and reign forevermore. Here's why Herod was nervous. Herod was the king. <laughs> Herod was sitting on that throne at the moment. And Herod was not of the line of David. That he was basically in the pocket of Caesar. And because he gave a lot of money to see, you guys keep hearing me tell you this story, so you, you can practically tell this story already. But because he was in the pocket of Caesar, uh, he was granted this kind of uh, uh, puppet kingdomship uh, over the Jewish people. So Herod knew that any Messiah coming along, the first thing that Messiah was going to do was vanquish Herod. He was nervous about, what is this Messiah going to take away from me? And you know, sometimes I think we approach our faith in this way. Right? In fact, I remember as a teenager, and I, I honestly think some of our teenagers think this way, because I did. <laughs> but I remember as a teenager thinking, you know, when I was thinking about baptism and all of that, I'm thinking, do I really want to commit now? Because then I'd have to give up a bunch of stuff. Right? I don't know what I thought I was giving up, but, uh, you know, just the possibilities, right? There was a, a list of things that I, I thought I, I couldn't do anymore if I became a follower of Christ. And, and quite frankly, it was a good list I probably should have given up. But, <laughs> but my notion was, what is this Jesus going to take away from me? 
And sometimes I think our faith, we treat it that way. What is this faith costing me? What is it taking away from me? What am I giving up to follow Christ? What am I giving up to be uh, in this community that seeks to make sense of the world through the lens that is Jesus and Jesus' teachings? And I know for most of you, you feel like, well, I'm giving up all Sunday morning. And well, sometimes well into the afternoon. <laughs> Depending on how much I get going, right? I'm giving up my Sunday. And maybe Bible study on Wednesday. Or uh, a couple of other occasions. There, I'm giving up my, some of my money. Or I'm giving up... Uh, some of my efforts and labor and talent and, t- and, and, and it, sometimes we approach it well I'm giving up some stuff and then we start to think well why am I what am I getting in return right like what I'm giving it up why well sometimes especially among our Baptist brothers and sisters sometimes we get hung up on well I'm giving this up so later on I can enjoy eternity I, I'm giving up these things it, Small sacrifice, several hours on Sunday against eternal life, right? We say to ourselves, small sacrifice. I'm sacrificing those hours on Sunday in the hope of heaven. Amen. Well, that's Herod-type thinking, really. That's Herod talk. Now, Herod took it to an extreme to try and make sure he didn't give up something. I know some of you... Don't go to extremes. You just don't get up and get in the car. But (laughs) Herod went to extremes in order to hang on to that which he had. Because he knew any Messiah worth his salt was going to come and take it away from him. And Matthew tells us that so eager was Herod to hang on to his power and not give up anything that he has to plan. The worst thing he can think of, killing children. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sounds like the Exodus story. Maybe Matthew's trying to tell us that Jesus and Moses have some similar things going on. But anyway, Herod hatches this plan. He doesn't want to give up anything he doesn't need a messiah he's sitting pretty i'm the king why what do i need a messiah for why do we got to change anything (laughs) i like it the way it is the little people are doing all the work i'm sitting in my throne you know i got it good now contrast this reaction to the magi who come to us from the east and uh when we when we talk about the east we are thinking persia uh, which is modern-day Iran. How odd that in our New Testament we're talking about folks from, I- from Iran. Uh, our brothers and sisters there in Iran. Uh, why would these guys all the way from Iran be coming to honor a Jewish king? Well, maybe it had something to do with the exile some 500 and something years prior to Jesus when the Jewish people were taken out of their homeland and brought to Persia. And maybe they shared their stories. 
And maybe they shared their hopes. Maybe they shared their dreams about the coming Messiah. That someday we'll go home. Maybe next year in Jerusalem, they would say at Passover. And God will send God's Messiah and return us to glory and reestablish the throne. And they had... They left that story behind. And Matthew tells us that that story was so compelling that these wise men, these magi, loaded up the camel and headed out because they saw saw the prophetic star that told them that the Messiah was coming. Astrology. We kind of left that behind too. But... uh, and they headed out. It was a long journey. Probably took them a couple of years, really, if we were to measure that. Matthew tells us they were so eager to do this. And they brought precious gifts, gold, frankincense, and of course that myrrh you don't want to miss. Right? Hang on to that because it's going to just go up in value. <laughs> they brought these gifts. They bowed down. They laid them before the the child, the new king. And they heeded the warnings in a dream. They took measures to protect that child and left by a different route. How different their reaction to the birth of Christ. How different from Herod. Not wondering, what does this child want from me? What is this Messiah going to take away from me? But asking the question, what can I bring to this child? What can I bring? How can I find this baby? How can I find this Messiah? How can I find this King? How can I worship Him? And how can I bring what I have and offer it to Him? How can I protect that? Well, quite a contrast to Herod. And I think we today, as followers of Christ, it would behoove us to have a Magi-like approach to our faith. Amen? A Magi-like approach to our faith. Asking not, what am I giving up? What am I sacrificing? What am I letting go so that I can get into heaven? But asking, what do I bring to Christ so that Jesus might bring about the kingdom of God in the here and now? Not waiting until we die and go to heaven, but the kingdom of God as we experience it here together as a community, as a humanity. Amen? Oh, you can do better than that. Amen? We've got to get our Baptist on around here a little bit. <laughs> I've been here for five years. Uh, five, more than five years. I shouldn't have to ask for an amen anymore. I'm off on a thing here. But give me an amen. You know, if you agree with me, give me an amen. Give me some talk back. I need some help here. Anyway, that aside. <laughs> Magi-like faith that asks, where can I find Christ, and what can I bring to the table? What can I bring to offer? In the hopes not that I'm going to go to heaven someday, but that the kingdom of God 
might be realized here and now for me, for you, for everybody here, for everybody outside of here. Amen? Yeah. That's better. <laughs> we are called today, especially as we begin this new year, as we face new challenges, and we're starting over, some of us in really dramatic ways, starting over. It's a great time to ask this question, what do I bring? And how can I offer that gift to the Christ child here and now? It's my prayer that as we are faithful in having magi-like faith, that indeed we will see the kingdom of God like a mustard seed grow from this small little country church here in downtown Salt Lake City into a kingdom of God movement that connects us to everyone else who's planting those seeds and grows into this amazing, flourishing huge plant that transforms lives and transforms the world. Let us, amen. Let us pray. Our great and loving God, we thank you for the story of the Magi who, who come to us from a foreign land but asking what do I have that I can bring? What can I give that this kingdom might be realized and that this king might be lifted up? Help us to have magi-like faith and gird us up whenever we start feeling like Herod asking what am I sacrificing? What am I giving up? Help us to not count the cost, but to revel in the blessings. We ask all this in the precious and powerful name of Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our Messiah, and our King. Amen.